Well, uh, before we dig into the, the, the text that we're going to look, I, I want to look at one of the biggest problems that I think we face when it comes to romantic relationships. There's something that we face, and it's specifically an issue in our country that's a significant issue because it's this myth that we are taught from a very young age. And I like to call this the myth of the one. The one, right? You know what I'm talking about because it's in every book, it's in every TV show, it's in the music, it's in the movies. How many of you like Hallmark movies? And do you like Hallmark movies? Oh, oh, they're awful. You know what I'm saying? Horrible. Okay, there we go. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a witness in the house today, okay? They're horrible. But it's in every Hallmark movie, isn't it? Like it's the, the one. What is this myth? The myth is, oh, there is this one perfect person out there for me, right? And when I find, I got I to gotta find, I got to go through the world to find this one. And when I find this one, everything's going to be amazing. They're going to get me. They're going to know me. They're going to know how to respond. Like my life is going to be amazing. Their morning breath is going to smell like roses. Like it's going to be amazing. That's the myth of the one. Okay. And so we begin the search for the one, right? And there's some people that just love it. Like, it's an exciting adventure. I'm going to go out, and i got to find the one. It's going to be awesome. I have a guarantee that my son, Asher, my middle child, is going to be one of those. How do I, kn <laughs> how do I know that? Because so far in the past month, he's a fifth grader. He's had two different girlfriends in the last <laughs> month. And he came home uh, this week, got in the car. I'm going to invite Amber up here. He got in the car um, this past week and shared something with my wife. And so why, why don't you tell her what, what, what happened? How's well, that? let's just say being a parent is always an adventure. Always okay. An adventure. So I'm not saying I handled this right. I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there. And unfortunately, it always happens when the dad is not around. Exactly. So uh, I pick up Asher from school and literally he has a grin before he even steps into the van. And he sits down and he looks at me and he's like, guess what, mom? I'm like, uh-oh. What, Asher? He's like, I got married today at school. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, you what? I, I reacted, and I'm like, you did not get married. Are you kidding me? He's like, yes, I did. I married my girlfriend. I'm like, the girl that you started dating three days ago, On you Monday. married her? He's like, yeah, mom, the whole fifth grade class was there. I'm like, you mean like a class of like 20 people? No, mom, the whole fifth grade class, there were like 150 kids there. And they were all screaming and giving me high five. And my buddies, they were the groomsmen and the best man. My, and so I'm like freaking sweating. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are never getting married. Are you kidding me? And I kind of overreacted. And I call Greg and I'm like, you need to tell your dad. And Greg laughs the whole time. And I'm like, this is not funny. Asher, you cannot get married. You are in fifth grade. Well, his buddy stayed overnight last night, and so I got more information. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I mean, I was a groomsman, and it was pretty crazy. I mean, even teachers were giving him high fives. I'm like, <laughs> I have zero words. All I know is pray for me because yes, Asher for me. is going to give me a run for my money. <laughs> and <Gosh>. you. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. Yeah, so... I don't, I don't even know what to do with that one. I'm going to be honest, but, but this is the journey that we're on. So there's, gonna, there's some of you like, this is fun. I love this. It's great. Okay, but, but I'm going to be honest. For some of us, when it comes to trying to find the one, it can be something that 
that honestly stresses people out, or for some people, it honestly can paralyze them. Because it's like, every time they're with somebody, they're like, oh, I don't know if they're the one. Like, I'm struggling. You're just wrestling everything. You're constantly, are they the one? I don't know. Is this the one? I, I don't want to mess this one up. And it gets even worse for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. Why? Because we believe in the will of God. And with the will of God, God has ordained one human being from the foundations of the planet for me to marry. And I can't mess this thing up. Right? And some of you are like, well, Greg, isn't the will of God matter? It absolutely does matter. But here's the deal. I'm just going to set some of you free this morning. Okay? If your understanding of God's will is that, that God has one human being perfectly picked out for every single person, just be honest with yourself. If one person picks the wrong person, they threw the system off for everybody. Okay? They just threw it off. Like, it's just true. Like, it doesn't work anymore. So, so set yourself free. Like, we can't allow this thing to paralyze us. Like, oh, I, I'm going to mess this up. Like, it's important. Absolutely. But we got to calm down. In fact, I know this whole thing of the will of God is really, really critical for people. And honestly, honestly we re wrestle with this at times. So this week, I'm going to be posting something on social. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook, I'm going to post a little video talking about how do we understand the will of God in our life. It's going to be a short video. I think it's going to set some of you free, though. Okay? But we go on and we, and, and we get back to this idea of the one and we're trying to find the right, right one. And then for many of us, we get to the point where we're like, ah, I, think I, I think I found the right one. And then we get married and we're like, yes, this is the right one. And somewhere along the way, you learn that their morning breath doesn't smell like roses, right? You have that realization like everything isn't perfect. And honestly, maybe things start to get a little bit hard in your relationship. But here's the issue is we keep listening to the same music watching the same Hallmark movie about the one out there, you know? And, and so when things get bad, some of us begin to ask the question, oh no, did I marry the wrong one? And some of us will answer the question, yeah, I think I did. And so we get divorced and we go try to find the right one. But others of us, we might not get divorced, we might not end this thing, but, but the reality is we just constantly live satisfied with the one that we've got. Or we try to change them and make them the right one. And I think a lot of our relationships, this is where they can exist. In a state of mutual frustration with how things are. I talk about frustration, I've, done, I've talked about this before, that frustration is the gap between our expectations and our experience. That's our frustration. The gap between our expectations and our experience. Whatever that gap is equals to your frustration. Okay? So if I said to you, I'm going to take you out to lunch at Taco Bell. Okay? And you agreed to that. Expectation, I take you to Taco Bell. Experience, no frustration. You might not like it, but you got what you expected. Okay? But if I said, hey, I'm going to take you out to a fancy lunch. And then I take you to Taco Bell. Okay? All right, there's, there's the gap. There's a little frustration there, okay? And here's what happens. They're, they're the one. They're the one. It's going to be amazing. Everything's, they're going to get me. They're going to know me. They're going to respond the way I need. It's going to be so amazing. And then when you realize it isn't, there's frustration. In our homes, we experience this. And, and so I think this whole myth of the one sets us up to have a wrong mindset when it comes to our relationships. And, and so... Are we worrying about the wrong thing? I, I think worrying to, about finding the right one actually becomes the wrong focus when it comes to our relationships. 
And so I want to give you a principle, and I think this is a principle, this applies to everyone, whether you are single right now, you're young, you're old, you're married, wherever it is, this principle is true for all of us. And it's this, instead of focusing on finding the right one, be the right one. Instead of focusing on finding the right one, be the right one. See, we get very focused on this out here. Are they the right one? Are they acting the right way? As opposed to saying, okay, God, what's my responsibility here? What are you calling me to? And so if you're dating right now or you're hoping to find the right one someday, listen, you got to keep looking. I talked about that last week. Like, you're going to have to keep looking. That's part of the journey, okay? But you need to focus on being the right one because here's the deal. Someday you might find that relationship. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to bring your whole self to that relationship, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, you're going to bring those toxic things from your past, those issues that you've, your spirit, those deficiencies, those areas in your life where you're going wrong, you're going to bring those to that relationship. And so today, what you can begin to do right now is to begin to make sure you are as healthy as you can be. You are spiritually sure, you are emotionally healthy, that you're financially healthy, whatever those things are, because you will eventually bring all of yourself to that relationship, okay? But when it comes to the married people in the room, we can get so focused on what our spouse is or isn't doing. See, instead of focusing on ourselves, we focus on our spouse. Are they meeting my needs? But what if we would put the focus back on ourselves and say, okay, what am I bringing to the table? This might be news uh, for some of you, but you can't control your spouse. You might wish you could, <laughs> but you can't control yourself. And guess what? You can't even fully control your marriage because it takes two, right? What do you have control over? You. That's it. It's the only thing you have complete control over. What am I doing? See, I can't control Amber, and y'all said amen. I can't fully control my marriage, but I can control the kind of husband that I am. I can, I can control how I respond. Can I control her actions toward me? No, but I can control my actions and responses to her. That's what I have control of. And so the focus needs to get turned from, oh, is she doing all the right thing? Is he doing all the right thing? To no, how am I living? Who am I? Am I living a life in submission to Christ? And so today we're going to dig into one aspect of what it looks like to be the one that God is calling us to and this is one of those truths that I think goes against everything that's natural to us. And I just want to say this, that there are some of you that walk in the door, and your heart, honestly, if you're totally honest, your hearts are a little hard toward your spouse. And as I talk about this, you're going to be like, ugh, I hate that. I don't want that. Okay? I get that. But I'm going I'm to challenge you to hear the Holy Spirit inviting you to something better. Because I say this all the time, even the hard things that God calls us to is an invitation to his way of doing things. And if we truly believe he's king of all creation, then we can trust that his ways are better than our ways are. They lead us to the life, the zoe life he desires for us. Amen? All right, if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5. And would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read that? We're going to read this text here. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse number 5. In your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray in the next few moments that you would open your word to us, Father. God, that our hearts wouldn't be responsive to my ability to communicate, but instead would be responsive to your Holy Spirit's conviction. Do that in us, Lord, we pray. We give you the space to do that in our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can be seated. When we think about the gospel, right, the good news, when we think about the kingdom of God, I think naturally we like to think about the gifts of the kingdom, right? What are the gifts of the kingdom? Zoe life, eternal life. We get the peace, we get joy, we get hope, all that kind of stuff. But hear this, the gifts of the kingdom come by the way of the kingdom. And what is the way of the kingdom? Jesus said it. Anybody wants to come after me? You want to follow me? You must deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow me. Like that's a really, really high call. But it also feels very like out there, like, okay, deny myself daily. I don't even know what that means fully, so let's, I'm just going to keep living my life. Not a big deal. No big deal. Yep, Jesus, I love you. Awesome. Okay? But the pa- I love the passage that we looked because it is so, so specific. Like there's no like fuzziness here when we get to this passage. It takes this principle of Jesus and, and talks about how do we live this out in relationship. Because how does this passage start? In your relationships. There's no wiggle room here. In your relationships, the people in your life. And what I would love for you to do this morning is to make it very specific. If you're married, in your relationship with your wife. In your relationship with your husband. If you're not married, maybe there's another relationship. In your relationship with your parents, with your coworkers, with, you know, your, your whoever, your boss. This is how we're called to live. And see, the call is in those relationships, have the same mindset as Christ. What he's saying is in your relationships, be like Jesus. Which I don't know about you, but that's intimidating. Because, like, that's a high call. He, he, didn't, he didn't mess with us on this one. Like, this is very, very serious what he's challenging us to. And so I want to I dig into the context of this passage where we're at in the book here. Because I think it will enlighten some things to us. And so just a few verses before what we read, we get in chapter 1, verse 27. And Paul's writing to the Philippians, and he says this, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? It's the good news of the kingdom of God, that God, that Christ has come. He is the authority over all things, and that he made way through his death and resurrection of invitation into his kingdom, right? That we get to join him, that he did what we could not do for ourselves. That's the good news of the gospel. He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. In response to what Christ has done for you, in response to what he has provided for you, live your life, okay? So that's the starting point. We go a few verses later, and he starts to draw some application. Okay, what does it look like to live in response to the gospel? We get here in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think it makes sense. Yeah, don't be selfish, right? Humility, yeah, we'll take care of those kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should care about other people. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. But why is Paul specifying this? Why is he clarifying this 
for. It's very clear because there is a problem that every single one of us has. That's what he's confronting here. And what's the problem that every single one of us struggles with? We are (laughs) self-centered. Like we are. We are self-centered. Now, we wouldn't call ourselves, I'm self-centered. I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say that out loud. But if you think about it, that's how most of us live our lives. We are raised and have this mindset of being self-centered. I I said I was going to have a two-year-old example in a moment, right? I wasn't even using that example. I was, on Friday, we were at this ordination service, licensing service, right? It's this sacred time. There's 1,500 people in the room, right? It's this sacred moment, all this going on. And in the upper corner, all of a sudden, a two-year-old decides they didn't want to be there no more, right? And they're like, ah! They're just screaming, and everybody in the room's looking, and it's like, don't you understand? It's not about you, two-year-old. The two-year-old doesn't give a rip, right? Because at that point, he hasn't learned that I should try and fake it, right? He's, he's still being self-centered, and he's going to let everybody know about it, okay? But we, we don't really graduate past that very well, because if we're all honest, we might not say that. We might not make a you know, big eruption in the middle of a, a sacred ceremony or something like that. But every single one of us, when we wake up in the morning, we think about ourselves. We think about our needs, our wants, our desires. And here's the reality. If we are not transformed by the power of the gospel, when we wake up in the morning, when it comes to other people, we kind of expect them to meet our desires, don't we? What are you going to do for me? Oh, we don't say it out loud because, you know, that's rude to say that kind of stuff. But, but that's what we want. That's what we think. That's how we're wired. We're kind of like vacuum cleaners. How many of you... Uh, you don't mind a little mess in your house. If you're honest, you're like, eh, a little mess doesn't bother me. Raise your hand. Some of you don't care. Okay. Some of you don't. Yeah, it's like, okay, how many of you like a spotless house? Like, just where are you at? Where are you at? Okay. Get your hand up, Amber. Okay. There it is. She was, she was like, eh. I'm like, no, no, no. You put that hand in the air. Okay. So, <laughs> She likes to clean up. In our house, it is spotless. Her view of dirty is everybody else is clean, okay? We have a spotless house, and I love it, honestly, because it is, our house is always clean. I'm never ashamed by our house. There's other people's houses I walk into, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm never ashamed of our home. Now, I don't mind a little clutter. I'm going to be honest. I don't mind a little clutter. That might drive my wife a little crazy on occasion. I'm working on that. But, but, but <laughs> okay? But I like it clean. And a few years ago, we bought the greatest thing that I've ever got over here. It's sitting over here. It's this little canister vacuum cleaner thing, okay? This is in our house. I love this thing. We bought one like, it was like 15 years ago we bought one. And then it broke. And I had to go, I'm like, we got to buy it again. This is like my favorite appliance we have in our house, okay? So I turn this little thing on, boom, turn it on, and I'm just sucking stuff up. It's awesome. So like, I'm, you know, suck up the corners, cobwebs, I love it. My favorite thing is if you like see a little bug walking by, you're like, and just suck that thing up. Feel like a Ghostbuster or something like that. Just sucking things up all over the place. I love this thing. Okay? But when I think about, I think about the way that we relate to other people, and oftentimes in marriage, I think we oftentimes operate like vacuum cleaners. <laughs> We're walking around just sucking the life out of the people around us. Meet my needs. What are you going to do for me? Are you serving me? How are you meeting my, this is what we do. We walk around. We do it all day long. And that's why some of us walk around frustrated because we're trying to suck life out of people and they're not doing anything that we want, right? They're not meeting our needs, okay? But here's the problem when it comes to a marriage is that there aren't 
There isn't just one vacuum cleaner in the house, there's two. And marriages a lot of times become two people literally trying to suck the life out of each other. Meet my needs. What are you going to do for me? Why aren't you doing what I ask you to do? I can't believe it. Like, we're constantly trying. And then you have kids. And you get a couple more little vacuum cleaners walking, walking around the house. Suck, and everybody's just sucking the life out of each other. Give it. I'm going to get it, right? Like, and, and, and some of you are like, that's my home. Like, that's what my house feels like. It's everybody sucking the life out of each other. Not, in, not this attitude of giving and caring and concern. Instead, it's the same model that the world. See, this is the way of the world. The way of the world is I leverage everything for my benefit. I leverage my relationships for my benefit. So the reason I got married is so that I could have a wife who would do stuff for me and take care of me and meet all of my needs. That's why I got, see, that's the way of the world. But Paul is pointing us back to a totally different way of living, which is the way of Christ. And the way of Christ is in complete conflict with everything that is natural to us in this world. And so I want to go back to the passage of scripture and kind of walk through this for a moment. It says this, in, in your relationships, and your wife, your husband, your relationship with that co-worker, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, God. You got to get a hold of that to understand the rest of the passage. And being very nature God, that's his position. God, this isn't some, you know, Jesus just some guy. No, he was God. He is God, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus, King of all, Lord of lords, had every right. See, a lot of times in our marriages, we're like, oh, I deserve this. I, de- I, deserve, I deserve a man that treats me like that. I deserve a wife that'll do this. That's what I deserve. Yeah, y- you might have that. Guess what? Jesus had more rights than you have. He had every right. Absolutely every right to serve. But the challenge, it's not to respond as we want to, but how did Christ respond? Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, right? But rather he made himself nothing. The literal translation says he emptied himself. He laid those rights down. He could have demanded, but instead of demanding, he laid it down. In love, he said, no, I choose to take a different posture in my life. What was that posture? By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. See, that's the posture. The decision to say, okay, I have all the rights in the world. And what did he do? He said, nope, I have the rights, but I come to serve, not to be served, to give my life as a ransom for others. That's the posture of his heart. And that's what he's calling us to. Say, in your relationship with your wife, in your relationship with your husband, in your relationship, you know, with that that coworker that frustrates you, have the same attitude as Christ. Had every right until he said, you know what? I'm going to lay my rights down in this situation. I'm going to lay my rights down in this situation intentionally. But I love the the distance because it isn't that Jesus becomes man, he becomes servant. And then it goes on and it says this, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
He just kept working his way down the ladder there. Taking the lowest possible posture in service to us, in humanity. To lay down all things. Why? Because it is a demonstration of greatness in the kingdom of God. See, this whole conversation isn't like, oh, lower yourself, lower yourself so you can just be weak. No, no, no. He's showing us what greatness in his kingdom looks like. He's saying, this is who I am. This is how you become great. You don't do things like everybody else. Leverage everything for yourself. No, I choose to leverage everything I have for the other. That's what greatness in the kingdom of God looks like. And the invitation as husbands and wives would, would we be those who operate according to the principles of the kingdom of God? And we say, okay, I choose, even though I selfishly want to live for myself, I want you to do everything for me. Instead, I lay down my rights. Guess what? You are my wife. And as my wife, there might even be some things I have a right to. But you know what? I lay that down and I choose to serve you. I get my eyes on you. See, this is the challenge. This is the invitation that, that God is giving us. And I, I think as we look at this, you think about this, I'm sure many of you, especially if you're right now in a situation where you're like, you know what, our marriage is not going super well right now. You hear that and you're like, that sounds horrible. I don't, I don't want to operate that way. I don't want to live that way. I get it. I don't want to operate that way either. Are there times where we need to, to walk away in a relationship? Absolutely. There are moments. Christ talks about that. There, there are opportunities. But the predisposition of the heart of a believer is to say, I am here to serve. I'm here to lay myself down. And so I want to get to our big so what here this morning. I want to get to our big so what. And uh, we always say this, so what? What's the point of this thing? Center others, not self. Center others, not self. See, he said it back in verse number four, he says, don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. The other. See, the call is that we aren't vacuums walking around saying, what can you do for me? Self-centered. How can you meet my needs? No, the call of a follower of Christ is to say, how can I serve you? How can I care for you? How can I lay my life down for the other? Does, it, does this mean you never worry about yourself? No. Just look at Christ as our model. There were moments where Christ, what did he do? He stepped away from the crowd. There were moments where he got away to himself and he was filled up. Does this mean, oh, I just give, give, give until I'm just totally depleted? No, no. You need to be filled up. Right? That's part of the model. You have to have that space, okay? But the predisposition of a follower of Christ is to say, my default mindset is center others, not self. And so in your other relationships... There's the choice. Listen, I'm going to center others. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. My boss is a jerk. I don't want to center him. I get it. Guess what? He doesn't deserve for you to treat him that way. He doesn't. You want to know what else? You didn't deserve Christ's love either. You didn't deserve it. And he chose to love you anyway. And to pursue you. And to run after you when you didn't deserve it. So the call is just simply, hey, would you live a life worthy of the gospel? It says, you know, what I have received, freely I give that to others. Not because they deserve it, because they don't. They're never going to deserve it. Even your spouse, who, who you think is so great, guess what? They still screw up sometimes. There's times they don't deserve it. Say, God, in response to what you have given me, God, I choose to give. Out of the abundance that you've already shown me. 
So when it comes to your marriage relationships, like I said, when there's times where your spouse, she doesn't deserve it, he doesn't deserve it, you're right. But we're not responding on the worthiness of your affection. You are giving selflessly of what you receive. That's the call. That's the picture. That's the model that we have. See, this is God's vision of marriage. It's, it's two people whose goal it is to center the other. That's God's picture of marriage. You know, two people that say, hey, my job is to serve the other. My job is to care for the other, to meet the other's needs, to sacrifice, to celebrate the other. Last week, I talked about this whole idea of cherishing your spouse, you know, cherishing, right? Selflessly cherishing one another. But I shared this last week that it's hard to cherish what we want to change. I said that last week. But I would also say this. It's impossible to cherish someone when you are centering yourself, when it's all about you. See, this is the picture that God desires. But here's the crazy thing. You got husband and a wife. Who, who choose, they purpose in their heart in response to the gospel to say, God, I will choose to love selflessly and serve my spouse. Guess what happens? Both of them receive everything that they could want. But rather than taking the vacuum and trying to suck the life out of their spouse, it's given freely as a gift from a spouse who's saying, I'm here to serve you and to care for you. See, that's the beautiful picture of marriage. Now, does that look like all of our marriages? Probably not. Like all of us, we, we, we wake up one day, you're like, yeah, I'm going to serve my spouse. But here's the problem is the next day you're going to wake up and you want to center yourself again. So why does it say uh, uh, take up your cross daily? Why does it say deny yourself daily? Because this is like a daily thing. Like you can do it every day for the next year. Guess what? Next year you're going to have to do it every day as well. We die to ourselves. We say, God, it's not about me. I choose to lay myself down. It's not about me anymore. God, I'm here to serve you, to follow you. And as an extension of that, Lord, I want to serve my spouse. And I want to love them. And I want to honor them. That's the invitation. It's a high call, right? Like this is a high call. There's moments where this is uncomfortable. But this is the invitation that we've been given. And just imagine, imagine just for a moment, what would your marriage look like in your home? What would your home look like if both of you were trying to outserve the other? If both of you chose to center the other rather than center self? In every argument, when you get into a fight, you chose to center the other rather than yourself, right? When there's some, some question that comes up, I'm going to choose to center the other. Right? When it comes to just doing chores around the house, I'm going to center the other in this area. So what does it look like practically? I don't know what it looks like in your home. I'll give you some examples of what, what can it look like. Here's what it can look like in my, in my home. It means i got to choose to center my wife in everything. And there's plenty of times when I don't want to do that. I want it to be about me. But I have to choose to serve. So one of the things I, I've worked on trying to do, and I still imperfectly do this, but like if Amber has a need, I try to program myself to be, I want to pop up and, and get the thing. She want a drink, I'll go get her a drink. She needs something downstairs, I'm going to pop up and grab the thing downstairs. I want to try and do that. I don't do it perfectly. But that's a, a way of choosing, I'm going to try to intentionally serve my spouse that way. That she can never say, oh, I'm not willing to do things. Sometimes I'll ask her, hey, do you need anything? And she's like, I don't need anything, Greg. I'm just sitting here. I'm fine. But, but I want to, but I, but I want to, you all know my wife so well. So she's like, I don't need anything. I'm like, great. That doesn't matter. She doesn't need anything. Great. But I, that's a, that's a me thing. Like, why am I asking the question? 
because I want to be a servant. Like, I want to respond to her that way. And so even if, even if she doesn't need anything, I want to be predisposed to serving my wife. Again, it takes work, and I don't do it well all the time. But that's, that's the mindset I'm trying to groom in my own heart toward Amber. I've told you this before. I've started trying to make the bed more often. I hate making the bed. Everything in me despises making the bed. And so I, I've said this a couple weeks ago. I told Amber, I'm like, every time she sees the bed made, she should receive that as a gift of love. Because there's nothing in me that wants to make a bed. I only do it because she likes the bed made. And so I want to serve her that way. Okay? Like there, there's intentional. Again, I don't do it perfectly every day. But, but that's why I'm doing it. I'm trying to, how can I serve my spouse? Right? There's times when it comes to asking forgiveness. Now I know you guys never fight in your marriages ever. Okay? Only Amber and I are the only ones that ever have a fight. Okay? But there's been times, I can vividly remember times like we're laying in bed together, right? And like we've been just at odds about something. And I'm laying there and I can, and I'm just like, oh, I can't believe she did this. I can't believe she said this. And I, you know, if I lay there long enough, this is the problem when you, when you stay close to Jesus is he still wants to bring conviction to your heart. And so there's moments I'm laying there and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, yeah, I should ask for forgiveness. And then I think to myself. I didn't do nothing wrong. Not my problem. She should be the one that asked for forgiveness. And I just hear the call, yeah, die to yourself, friend. Die to yourself. And again, I don't do this every time. But those moments when I choose to humble myself and say, it doesn't matter what I think. God, I, I want to I ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry. There's a restoration of that relationship that can happen. A pathway to unity. See, this is the better way. This is what Christ has called us to. It's an invitation to something better. And I'm going to say something out loud right now because I'm, that gives me, you know, 800 people that will hold me accountable. But I was preparing the message last night, and I had to go in and ask forgiveness of my wife for something. Because um, we have a little mudroom, you know. And I might have a tendency to have three or four or five pairs of shoes just strewn about the mudroom. And my argument, my argument, my argument is, sweetheart, it's a mudroom. Mud is in the name. Like, it's meant to be dirty, okay? But as I was preparing this message, I said, Greg, if you would center your wife on this issue, you would just put your shoes away. And so, <laughs> and so I went and I apologized. This is the hard part. When you got to preach stuff with authenticity, that means I actually got to take my heart to this stuff. I'm sorry, I'm going to work harder. So now you've all heard me say that out loud. <laughs> Hold me accountable. I'm going to try and get my shoes put away because I want to center my spouse. Now that seems like a stupid little thing, but every one of us have issues in our life. We have things in our life where we know we're being selfish in that area. We know it. And the challenge as a follower of Christ is to say, can I choose to center the other in this area? Not do what I want, but can I do what is someone? Does this mean you're a doormat to everything in someone else? No, if this becomes some talk, there needs to be conversation. You need to have some clarity around that. But this is the predisposition. This is the call of our heart to say, I want to lay my life down for the sake of another. Okay? And so I want to close with just a time of response because I know that every one of us, if we were just to be honest and say, am I centering my spouse? Maybe some other, am I centering others? 
in my relationships with some coworkers or that boss that frustrates me or the parents or whatever it is. But if you're married, I want you to think about your spouse right now. But I would just say, are you centering your spouse? Are you selflessly serving your spouse to your own detriment at times? My guess is most of us would say, that's a high call and I don't think I'm doing that. It's still more about me. So the question is, how will we respond? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes across the room? I just want to give us an opportunity right now. Would you just for the next few moments, would you just have a moment with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me right now? Would you reveal the areas of my life where maybe I'm being selfish? The areas where I'm thinking about me too much. Where I've been holding on to my rights as opposed to choosing the posture of giving your love that I've received so freely. Would you speak to our hearts right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Please be worshipped. Father, we want to come and repent of those things. I'm actually going to give some space because I think sometimes repentance requires us to actually take an action step. So with every head bow and every eye closed this morning, if you're here right now and you would say, I need to repent of selfishness in my relationship. I need to repent that, that I've been centering self far too much. And I just want to surrender that to Jesus and ask his help. If that's you across the room, can you just lift up a hand with every help eye, every eye closed? Say, yeah, I, wanna, I want to surrender and I want to serve the other. Yeah, across the room, just hands everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the invitation to better. Right now, across the room, can you just have a moment of confession on your own? Just speak your own prayer out. Say, Jesus, I need you right now. I confess my sin. I confess my selfishness, Lord. God, I've still been trying to build my kingdom, not yours. I've been doing things the way of the world as opposed to the way of you, Christ. And how would you forgive me of that? And I offer myself to you, Lord. God, I pray over every relationship that's, that's represented in this room. I pray over every marriage that's represented, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that there would be a breaking of self in this place, God the bondage and the chain to self and it's all about me and my kingdom I pray there would be a breaking and there would be a freedom expressed as we recognize that ultimately it's all about you Jesus and God you've made a pathway you've demonstrated what the right way is you've demonstrated us how we can be those men and women that you have called us to be Lord so God I pray that you would help us in every area of our life Lord Jesus to honor to worship you Lord Jesus thank you Lord God thank you Lord God would you stand with me across the room I just want us to take a moment. Can we just respond? We sang this out earlier. Can you just sing these words out? Oh, Christ be magnified. Sing it out. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified. Come on, lift it up. We worship Oh, we worship Christ be magnified. From the altar of my life. Christ be
I do pray that you would be magnified in our relationships, Lord. God, that this would go from theory to practice this week, God. God, may we intentionally live in response to the gospel, live in response to your gracious love toward us by sharing that love with those around us. God, in our relationships, God, may we look more like Jesus. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you a challenge here as we walk out the door, and it's this, that you would do one thing each day to serve. If you're married, one thing to serve your spouse, intentionally, right? Not just the normal stuff. Pick one thing every day. I'm going to do this with no other reason but to serve my spouse and to care for them, okay? For those of you who aren't married, pick someone every day. Take an intentional step to say, I'm going to choose to serve the other, to build and to groom this, this mindset of selfless serving of those around us. Amen? I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. If you're here this morning, you need prayer for anything. Our team is here. They want to minister to you. They want to lift you up. Allow them to pray over you. Otherwise, just a reminder, we've got Julie's back at the table if you want to hear about the single mom's retreat. Otherwise, have a great week, guys. We will see you back next Sunday as we continue in our series.